What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Junker Talk. This is our sixth episode, right? <laughs> Emphasis on the sixth. Sixth episode. <laughs> um, we want to appreciate, we want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening, um, sharing, talking about it. Um, we have been loving doing these, and I hope they've been a blessing to you. Um, I'm Pedro. I'm Larissa. And uh, we're talking about a topic that is very, very common nowadays. It's a struggle. It's it's almost like the thorn in the skin of our generation, especially our generation. Um, people say generation, they say everybody, but I think ours in terms of like the ending of the millennials, which includes us and the new whatever, what are they called? Gen, Gen Z? X? I'm not sure. Yeah, the, the fidget spinners <laughs> of the 21st century. I think it's been the worry of our new century, but we're gonna to touch on that. So I like to open up before we get into our Barbara verse, we let's do the highlight of the week, love. So, what was your highlight of the week? So, my highlight of the week this week is actually a verse as well. Um, I've been doing a study. We just finished up a study with the girls from my small group, and we did a study on Ephesians. Um, and Ephesians four one is a verse that has been stuck in my head kind of like a broken record and it says as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received and i think that's such a powerful word because like to live a life worthy of your calling is that it's live a life like in everything that you do live a life that's worthy of your calling not just go minister worship worthy of your calling go give small group worthy of your calling it's literally live a life everything that you do do for the glory of god just like that verse that says like to work as if you're working for the lord mm. um so i feel like this has been really it stayed in my mind this whole week to live a life worthy of our calling yeah and in my highlight of the week um it's actually the preaching that we heard last saturday at our church we had a missionary come in, Murilo Masia, who's awesome. We've had him you know, preach in our church a couple of times. And his title was simply Connect to the Presence of God. And I think we've been, having, we've been riding this wave at church specifically about the presence of God. And I know my parents will continue to speak about that soon as well. And that's been something that God has been bothering us here at home for a while now to just dive deep into the presence. So... I love how God has been speaking to us, speaking to the pastors, speaking to a lot of the members of the church that are, you know, giving their testimonies and sharing kind of what God is kind of bringing them out of a place of thirst into a place of seeking God actively. And, you know, like much more deeper than anything we've ever done before. I know we've experienced that ourselves in our call it our new revival. Right. So I think my highlight of the week, it's been that God is speaking through so many different people but the message has been the same and it's an encouraging message to continue to connect yourself to the presence of god the presence of god is all around us all we need to do is connect so i hope this podcast is going to help all you guys and us as well to be able to connect to the presence of god as well so let's now get into the the meat of this podcast the theme of the podcast and we're and we're thinking you know we we don't have a we don't have a title we always have a working title as we go into these (laughs) Um, but we were talking about worriness. We're talking about anxiety today, you know, and you hear a couple of our testimonies. But we wanted to read um, from Matthew chapter 6, verse about, verse 33, sorry. And I'm reading off the Passion. It says this, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. I love, I love the way that this 
translation of the Passion talks about one of the most famous verses, I guess, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things we added to you. And I think this is something that we as a couple have been trying to unpack almost like what is the seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and how can we do that before we chase after anything else, anything else, you know, because all the and I love that the Passion says um, all of the less important things. Um, and before we get into the topic, I like to talk about um, seek first the kingdom of God. There's a particular thing that I was, I was studying. They talk about the word priority and how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How the word priorities, like the plural of priority is the most inaccurate, inaccurate way because the word of the root itself means first. It means what you seek first, what you look first, what you think first. So having priorities is wrong it's just not what the word is so when i say oh my priorities are in place i like god i love god i love my family i love my kids something like that you know those can be your priorities a priority is and it's meeting and it's rude it's one thing and it has to be one thing and the bible is clearly to jesus is clearly telling us it has to be god all of the other things including the love of my life in front of me including the future kids that we're going to have, including, I don't know, the disciples that we've made, including ministry, including the church. They are the less important things that God is adding to us and adding to our worry, per se. So I think once we establish that priority is God, God alone, that's the first thing we do. Everything else is kind of on the same level. Um, then you can rank them after, you know, whatever that same level is. But I wanted to start that off. And um, anything you want to say about that? No, I think that's perfect, and I think it's it's like a, a reality, really, that hits us when we think about it that way, because, like, you can't have multiple first things, yeah. you know, like, in a competition, there's not multiple people getting a gold medal, it's one, there's a first place, so I think that it's, it's important to bring that to mind, that, like, wow, priority is one priority and mm. not multiple priorities everything else sure there's a ranking of importance but priority is that number one exactly and um i want to kind of share right now a little bit of testimony that happened to me this week um i will i'm doing a study of the bible and i'm you know reading a couple of the psalms lately and we had you know usually rank comes out the first day of the month right so that happened to be on a monday so i you know i looked on our bank account to make sure everything's okay and the rant hadn't come out that Monday. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's going to come out eventually. Hope everything's okay and whatever. And then on Tuesday, right after we ended our devotional in the morning, um, I checked the bank account and the rent had come out indeed. And then it's a big hole in our um, bank account because the rent happens to be the biggest uh, bill that we pay on a monthly basis. And, you know, me and Lala have been married for almost a year at this point. So we've been managing what our expenses are versus what, you know, the income that we've had, you know, and I've had a job for about almost four months now. So now we, now for the past couple of months, we've been able to see what's Lala's income plus my income, meaning our income, subtracting the expenses. What do we have as our living money, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to plan so many things that we have and that we want to plan. So, and then Right as I looked and I saw the number that was after the rent had come out. And then, and then you start thinking, this is only the beginning of the month, which means that every single recurring bill is going to hit again in a matter of, you know, however they were 
scheduled to be hit. So essentially we're hit with a payment almost every day of the month, you know, with various different things and different amounts. So then in this kind of, in a matter of seconds, as I was looking at the bank account, I had just, you know, watched the devotional from one of our boys from JP and I had, I had my Bible open for me to start doing my own, you know, little study with God that I was doing with Psalms. I just had this wave of fear and worriness take over me of what, what do we do? And it's not even that we're in a situation that like we need to borrow money or anything like this. It was just like trying to plan for the future, how much we need to save. And it almost, you know, we have plans to do a couple of things that would require, require money. So what do we do? Right? Like how it's not feasible. Me, Lala needs to either get a raise or like win the lottery. And like, I was trying to think of all these things. So that wave of, of worriness completely came over me. And then I was just like, you know, like, you know, finish, close the app or the, the bank. And then I started doing my reading of Psalms. And you realize once you start reading them in bulks, meaning a couple chapters at a time, you realize how repetitive they can be. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that, you know, David wrote them throughout different periods, periods of his life. So it's not like he wrote them down all in sequence, but it's kind of how the cycle that they would go through. David would, you know, he wrote most of these Psalms. He would go through a lot of struggle, a lot of worriness about either people that wanted to kill him or his own family falling apart or wife's problems that he had or, you know, so many different things that were happening around his life. That the amount of enemies that were plotting to kill him or the times that he was running away from kings all over the place. And he starts the psalm almost trying to remind God that he's struggling and they remind God to look out for him and do something for his situation. And some Psalms even have the word pause in them. Like after he says that there's a pause, there's a moment that I feel like David is taking to breathe in and connect himself to the presence of God. Since I know these Psalms are inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote these and as a song, I'm sure he was singing this out. I'm sure he, he stopped. And that moment that he stops and you, I don't know, playing his harp or whatever other instrument and he connected himself to the presence of God, he shifts. There's always a shift in the psalm. Then he goes into, but I know you are my God. And I know you have been watching over me. I've known your goodness all around. I've known your love all around. And, and it ends in this beautiful worship of God. And it's not like the enemies were defeated at that moment. He just had a moment to realize, wait a second. Let me breathe in the presence of God. And God is directing what his thoughts and what his songs were going to be continuing to moving forward for that, you know, song that he wrote. And that just stuck with me. And I just felt God really reminding me almost like I was then in the position to breathe in and receive the presence of God. And God, of course, reminding me, you're going to be okay. I'm watching over you just as long as you keep giving your heart to me and your future to me. I'll take care of it. You know, and that was kind of my testimony that I wanted to share with you guys that happened this week. And since we're talking about worrying and anxiety, simple as connect yourself to the presence of God. But I'm curious to hear what you're going to say, love. So I think it's interesting that you gave this testimony because I don't know if you remember this, but a couple weeks ago, the same thing happened to me. And what you told me was the verse that we read as the verse of the podcast today. Do you remember? I was freaking out about the same thing. And I was like, oh, but this and this and that. And you were literally like, okay, let's stop. Let's open the Bible and let's read this verse. And you read that verse to me. So I think that just goes to show that whenever these things start happening, I think that our 
first response needs to be to take our thoughts captive to the Lord. You know, in the study that we were doing, it was saying how it's important for us to not let our thoughts take us captive, Mm -hmm. but we need to take our our thoughts captive to the Lord, um, which is super important because I think that especially with worrying and anxiety, you, you can worry about literally like anything Mm -hmm. in life there are a billion worries that we can have a day and if we let that consume us i think it's really like detrimental to our health to our spiritual health because worrying is nothing but a lack of trust in the lord you know when it comes down to that um so i think it's important to understand that we have to take our thoughts captive to the lord and that's one of the things that has helped to overcome worry and to overcome anxiety because you think that like wow let's let me take a second like you said like pause and think back to like what has god already done for me yeah. has he ever proven himself to fail has he ever let me down no so what makes me think that he's going to start doing that now right you know like we were talking about this this week that like as crazy as last year was we came out well last year you know without you having a job with me working but with the pandemic we came out fine and like if god can prove himself to be a provider and to be taking care of us during that like there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to continue to be you know god has a way of working things and i think it was actually said in church last saturday as well that like god's math is not the same math as ours um so god just is god that's what it comes down to and i love the the context of this you know chapter six jesus is still preaching in the sermon of the mount you know beautiful Almost like the constitution of Christians is in there in the Sermon of the Mount almost. And this is him describing for a couple of verses before sort of the worriness that we have. And I think this is not coming from a God that was far away. This is coming from a God that became man, that lived and had all these worriness. He was hungry. He was cold. He was hot. He was tired. He he had all these worriness, you know, he... Um, he worried about his family. He worried about his disciples. He worried about the multitude of people that were following him. He worried about any person that was being thrown at him, asking for mercy. He he had a compassion. He worried, like he cared, you know. But he's that moment he's looking around nature and he sees like birds and he's like, do you think they care about what they're gonna wear tomorrow, what they're gonna um, eat tomorrow, you know? And it, it, I love that even the worst parents in this planet still wouldn't give a rock if they're kid cried out for food imagine the best dad in the world which is god if a kid asks for food what do you think god's going to do so it's almost this idea of like before he says seek first the kingdom of god and don't worry about tomorrow those famous verses he's giving out the context i am watching over you i am observing i am aware you know i care i have empathy i have sympathy i can do something about it because i know what's truly going on i know exactly what you need just rely on me, trust on me. And the promise of the verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I mean the right things. It's not the promise that's just seek God and God will carry you through the fire. It's saying that all the other things will be added to us. All the other things will be, well, some verses have all the other things will fall into place. I love that kind of transition as well. But I know you wanted to get into a little bit of your testimony in a bit, but we kind of wanted to clarify and we're talking about worriness, and I think the hot word of the day is not even worriness, but it's anxiety in our, um, you know, 21st century world. 
And we kind of want to differentiate, right? We're not talking about um, um, a mental illness that causes anxiety. Those that I mean, we believe that there's great um, um, psychologists, therapists that can help and deal with that. We're talking about the day-to-day worryness that us Christians and people in the world, we let it slowly eat us away, right? So we kind of want to make that distinction a bit. Unless you want to add anything to that. Yeah, I think... Um that for my testimony i think that the word anxiety fits better just Mm -hmm. because of like the symptoms and stuff that i had but i am perfectly aware that like it was not a high level of anxiety and i was not prescribed like medication for anxiety so we understand and we respect people who go through this in a much deeper level but um i just wanted to share a little bit of my testimony when it comes to anxiety because it was probably one of the hardest time periods that i had to go through and i don't i honestly don't remember if it was like 2019 it might have been like i think it was before that even two three years ago maybe when it started and it started off with honestly, I think it started off with a medication that I was taking for something else. I was taking medication for like a sinus and my body didn't have a good reaction to it. And because I already naturally worry as a person and I think that that medication just um, made my body freak out a little bit and it made me get worried to the point to like even when I stopped taking the medication and even when everything was fine my mind made me think that i wasn't fine um and it was crazy because it when you have this anxiety within you it's so hard to deal with it because you can't explain to people what it's like without sounding crazy Mm -hmm. because you explain these things and i used to say these things to you and to my mom and you would both look at me like you're crazy like you're fine you need to stop worrying but like in my mind it was like i'm not okay i'm not physically okay Mm -hmm. like i'm not mentally okay something is gonna go wrong something is gonna go downhill and it was just a snowball and it grew to the point where i started having like symptoms of i guess a lower level of anxiety to the point where like it happened to me twice once with my parents and once with you actually in the movie theater where i just had to like walk out because i wasn't okay and i couldn't breathe and something just like bothers your soul (laughs) and the the way that i can explain it is that like you want to run away from your own self and from your own body but obviously you can't so it's like you're the problem but you can't get away from the problem um and when you have those thoughts and when you have this anxiety it's like any little thing that happens you take it to the extreme right away you know i was watching a youtube video this week and he was the guy was also sharing his testimony about anxiety and he was saying how like his little daughter had um pain in her knees and he automatically thought that she had cancer because when he was younger it happened that one of his friends started Mm. off with that symptom but like instead of his mind being like oh no she probably just fell like his mind goes to the extreme and when your mind goes to the extreme for every little situation that you go through it becomes unbearable yeah it becomes terrible And for me, it was so difficult because I could have sworn that there was something physically wrong with me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I literally went to like three different doctors. And at this point, I didn't even have health insurance. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care that I was paying it for it by myself because I could have sworn that there was something wrong and that it needed to be found. Because I was ignoring the fact that it was more of an emotional, mental issue 
and thinking that it was a physical issue. So like I went to a cardiologist, I got a CAT scan done, I did a whole bunch of like extra things that probably didn't even have to be done. Mm -hmm. But like for my peace of mind, I felt like I had to. And then even after doing those things, my mind used to go to the place of like, oh, but like, what if they didn't see something? What if they missed something and there is something there? So it's just like your mind never rests and it's the most frustrating thing. And I think that for me, that was the biggest period of time where I had to understand that I had no control over my life, you know, because a lot of the times we just think like, oh, like I'm just going to plan and it's going to be fine. But during that time when I couldn't figure out what was happening with my physical health, what was happening with my mental health, I would literally just stand in my bedroom and like break down because that's the only thing that would make me feel better. And like you would realize like, okay, I have no control. Like, Mm -hmm. if I need to die tomorrow, I'm going to die tomorrow. If there's something that's going to be wrong with me, there's something that's going to be wrong with me. And I think that that's where my anxiety stemmed from is because I like to have control and I like to plan things and I like things to not change without, like, me wanting them to. So I think that it, the fact that I was going through things that I had no control over just made me go to the extreme side of that worry and it affected me in a very deep way. Let me ask you this. I'm interviewing you right now, okay? Welcome. Welcome to the interview. Why, thank you. um, You're beautiful, by the way. Um, Why do you think you worry? Because I feel like that's been a thing for you for most of your life. Like, what do you think has anything to do with your childhood? Maybe you... I think it's a lot of personality, like you were just saying. You think it's just personality? You think it's something that has happened to you before, the way you were raised that kind of led you there? I don't know. I never thought about it as like something in my childhood. I think it's more personality, but I don't know if also because like when I was younger, I like was always a little bit more mature than everybody else, if that makes sense, just because I had to go through through things when I was younger that a lot of people don't have to go through like I didn't live with my mom for a while so I don't know if like the reality of life started hitting me earlier so then I started to worry about the people around me a lot I think it's very interesting because as you're saying I think it's from your childhood which if you didn't know me and I had very very different childhoods and upbringing right and I think I am not a guy that worries a lot I'm really not I'm an overthinker but I'm not you know, a worried person. Like, I've never had an anxiety attack or anything of that nature. And I think a lot of that has to do because the way that my parents raised me is it was like, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word sheltered, but you know, it, it was a sheltered life. No, but to the point that my dad would go out of his way to make sure that me and my sister wouldn't worry about things. You know, like, like we were never aware if we were going through a struggle, you know, as kids. We wouldn't see those things. Now, sometimes looking back and you have a conversation with your parents, you're like, wow, wow, we were struggling back then. Huh? The, like things that happened when we were young, we didn't know that was happening. Like my parents went through a lot of crisis, not between them, but like church crisis that were coming in and people are, and we wouldn't see it. You know, we randomly had people staying over with us for like a month and we just thought it's because the person was like cool and wanted to hang out with us. But it was because this person was like, going through domestic violence and like had to stay with us for protection and you know or because she was pregnant and was kicked out like we saw these things but i think to exactly what you're saying 
I was a kid and my parents made sure that I wouldn't be aware of the truth that adults needed to know. I was just a kid, you know? Yeah. So that that kind of put me in the mindset of like, I I didn't have to worry up until later in my life when, you know, but my parents did it. They sheltered me. I don't know if it's for the good or for the, you know, for the worst of it, but they worried for us. They went out of their way to make sure that we wouldn't worry about a thing. Yeah. I think that like my mom sheltered me as much as she could but like when you're a child and you see that like your family situation is not a normal family situation Mm. like for a while there i lived with just my grandparents and my mom lived in the united states and like my dad would my like biological dad would only come to see me once in a while because i was very aware that he was doing drugs and i was young to like Mm. know those things you know we're uncovering right so like (laughs) now that you think about it it's just like i saw the reality of life younger um and you know not for anybody's fault it's just the way that life happened but and then i also think that i just went through things that had to make me that made me more independent sooner like Mm. moving to a new country when i was seven years old and like the simple example of having to learn a new language like i didn't have anybody going through that with me i was going through that by myself Mm -hmm. you know my cousin who went to the same school as me already knew english my mom was obviously not going to school with me so as much as i know she worried i was going through that by myself so and then i think like just the reality of life made me worry about people around me because i was also aware of the fact that like my mom was in another country because she was trying to provide for us so like i think that that worried me and i think that like my dad's situation worried me and then moving to a new country you're just worried about like learning the language and like excelling in school because i was always a nerd in school and then Mm -hmm. when you come to somewhere where you don't know the language you can't help but to feel dumb and like helpless um so i think that those things might have contributed it but i do think that a lot of it is personality sure yeah i was gonna say (laughs) yeah but isn't it crazy how understanding at the wrong time is so detrimental you know like having knowledge before you can handle knowledge is technically you know you're skipping steps and i think you you've had to skip a lot of steps because it's the way that you know some decisions that people made around your life that affected you um but it's it's i don't know i just it's fascinating to me talking about your backstory and like i know you i know your personality i know what you've been through but i, I also know the person that you became so you know god is god was caring about you that whole time but I know that you are a worried person because I think that backstory that we just uncovered here with you guys as Junker Talk, but also I think because of that, the way that your personality was shaped. Now, is your mom a worried person? You think? I think so, but or is I she don't more know. like laid back I, or like quiet worried person? I think she's more quiet worried. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that she shows it as much as I do. Anybody in your family overly worried like you are? I don't think so. Grandma, grandpa. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know if I just like never paid attention Mm. to it. But, you know, I think that (laughs) just because I had to fend for myself for a lot of things in life, it just like automatically makes my brain work five steps ahead and looking for the problems instead of the solutions. And when do you think perfectionist became a thing for you? Like, when did you realize you were a little bit of a perfectionist personality-wise? Forever. As a kid, right? My cousin can tell you stories of (laughs) me being eight years old asking my aunt if I can go clean his room because Mm. I couldn't stand the way that it looked. 
So, like, even in that sense of, like, visually yeah. being a perfectionist, I think it just, it just is me. <laughs> I am kind of fascinated that, like, you can see the kid's personality and you know what that personality, like, you know, personalities don't change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am kind of, you know, we plan to have kids in the future, future. But, like, I am fascinated to know what personalities they're going to have. I know. We almost have two extremes here. Like. Yeah. Because I was, as I was a kid, I was, like, laid back. I was very mature for my age, but not in that sense. Like, I was very naive in terms of what the world was really about because the way that my parents raised me. But I was mature for a moral, like, morality kind of things. Mm-hmm. I was, like, breaking fights and, like, um, telling on people because they did something wrong. I was, like, a morality guy. And you were, like, a actions and organization gal. And... <laughs> You know, I, I think it's funny. I think since we're talking about that, um, correct me if I'm wrong. The massive anxiety attacks that you had was it around the time that you like fell from the church, and was that around that time, or you were out of work for a bit? The school I think was it was a little bit after, but it happened throughout that time as well. Yeah, it was around that time. Period. And also, let me just say, um, we were watching Ready Player One, a movie that I was very excited to watch. I was enjoying the heck out of that movie. Really was. I was in it. I was in it. I love Steven Spielberg. I love video games. That movie was... I have read the book, so I was in for that movie. And then this girl started having, like, her hands were shaking in the middle of the movie. Her hands were cold. And I'm like... Part of me was, like, the selfish, annoying part of me was like, just be okay, because I need to finish this movie. But I would see... that, And then kind of, you know... We, do you remember anything of that movie? A very little. Have you ever seen it I don't after? think I remember We got to put it on this. That movie's good. That movie's yeah. Good. I just wanted to make that quick point. Just, you know, the stupid selfish that we are. And I think... This is a good thing. I feel, I feel like people nowadays are becoming more aware that, like, when somebody's going through depression or anxiety, you're looking at them and saying, just don't be sad or just don't worry is never the answer. Like, I, I, in my stupidity, I would say that to you. Because to my point, guys, you guys weren't there back then, but she would be like, she would have a, a pain in her arm or something like that. And you'd be like, I'm dying. And you weren't kidding. Right. And that's what I was saying. Yeah, and yeah. I wasn't kidding because I think that... I only realized this after, but I think that what happened to me was like mental and the symptoms show up, showed up physical when as I, as I was going through it, I thought it was physical mm-hmm. and it was affecting my mental health. Yeah. You know, so like when I would tell somebody that like my heart is racing faster yeah, and it doesn't feel okay, mm-hmm. like I don't think I can sleep and like I, I wasn't kidding. I was being so legit. Like I was worried i went really? to an urgent care because of that and mm-hmm. had like an ekg and everything is that what it's called like the heart thing you put the stuff on you, yeah they put in the chart, yeah. you know that heart like monitor thing yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah. And i think it's funny because you weren't a sick child growing up right no not at all i was a very sick child so like to you that maybe you never had anything if you had a sinus infection that's terrible to me that's like a wednesday you know like i'm serious <laughs> and like Taking medication, going to the hospital, that sadly was my life growing up because of my asthma, because I've, I've always had a sinus infection every season, you know, I always had it. Headaches, and you know, it was a normal part of my life. Chills, heart, heartburn, you know, all these things. So, like, to me, that was like, you're going to be fine. Trust me. You're going to sinus, you know, like, but it was my stupidity back then, a lack of sensibility to be like, you're going to be okay, but let's let's find out here what's truly going on i feel like it took a second a second it took a while for me 
who was your point of contact for a lot of this and your mom to truly be like, okay, this is not just Lala freaking out like she freaks out about like if the room is dirty. There's something that's going deeper and more serious. Yeah. And it was crazy because like for a while there, like I would be hoping that it would get better, but then like it would get worse. You know, like I'm a very homebody person and I'm okay with staying home and I'm okay with staying home alone Mm. and like I'm totally fine. But then I remember that like there was even one day where I was home alone because my parents were in small group and like literally this anxiety hit me and I could not stay still and I didn't have peace and like I was walking around the house and like I I think I even like went to shower and like try to do things to distract me and I wasn't okay until somebody got home and looked me in the eyes and was like are you okay because then I broke down and when I would break down is when it would like calm me down almost like come out of you right it would like because I guess I I tend to bottle things. Yes. So that didn't help the fact. Again, that's probably a thing that we should have brought up. You, you <laughs> tend to like, people don't need to worry. I can handle this a lot. Yes, a lot. And that that can never lead to a good thing. Mm-hmm. Never. Keeping things to yourself never leads you to a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I tend to do that as well, to be honest. But I think that's more, I'm more of the pride side. Like, I don't want to let people know that I have weaknesses. You're more of the, I don't want people to have another burden on them. Yes. And two I do different that for sides, a lot. two mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So then I think that because of that, I think that it made me realize that like, wow, I'm going to need to open up and I'm going to need to work through this and I'm going to need to get to the root of why this is happening because it's not just going to go away. At any point, did you open the Bible? So that's where I think I took a little longer than mm. I should have. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, I don't know, I you know, we tend to take or mistakenly run to prayer and the Bible as like of last resort. After, after the doctor said, you're right, fine, there's nothing exactly. wrong here, but you're still paying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After doing everything that we can in our own strength yeah. to solve it is when we tend to run to Jesus. Yeah, it's funny. If you have a headache, first thing you do is you don't pray about it. You take medicine or you like go to sleep or you go, oh, mm-hmm. I'm hungry, let me eat instead of praying to God. Yeah, so I think that it took me longer than it should have, so that didn't help the process, but I think that that's what made me learn that, like, wait a minute, who is my God? Like, who am I serving? Why am I acting this way when I know that God is God and that he takes care of me and that he loves me? And I think that I had to get to that knowledge and that understanding that I did not have control over my life. You know, I think that that's the thing that I learned the most from mm-hmm. that time period is that, like, you do not have control as and much as you try. And for an organized perfection, perfectionist that you are, not having control is a massive thing. It was deadly. Yeah. It was deadly. It was I, not and, good. And when you read the Bible, when you understand the message of Jesus, it's all about not having control. Right. And like, I think uh, it... No, go ahead. I think I was going to say, like, it's also the whole come as you are thing and not the, like, be perfect to then come to Jesus. I think that I've, I don't know, I maybe felt like that way to some sort of extent. So I think I bottled things that were going on and I didn't feel like I should go to Jesus because I was messed up, like, emotionally. But, you know, I should have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, we had a... 
a preaching a couple weeks ago my mom did about Peter and the when Jesus comes and talks to him after he denied and after Jesus resurrects you know he asked Jesus he asked Peter if he loves him three times and after Peter responds what Jesus says to him is not encouraging it's not um, instructional it's simply I believe that you love me Peter and essentially now before I mean before when you were younger you could choose to do whatever you wanted to do you were in control of your life and because you love me when you're older you will not be able to dress yourself people will take you where you don't want to go and that's you know of course talking about the fact that Peter was going to live the rest of his life for Jesus whatever the Holy Spirit was guiding him to the point that he was going to die because of Jesus completely surrendering his life to Jesus and that part kind of feel like it goes unnoticed in that verse because people focus so much on the love you love you here love you phileo love you agape all these things but that ending it's kind of insane that this, this is Jesus's last words that we see in the Bible straight to Peter like only to Peter and I don't know how Peter took that being a man that was always like out and about, first one to say something, done, doing whatever he wanted to do, taking all the disciples to go fishing. He had to learn how to let go and, and say, I'm going to just be a vessel now. This is what we are. We and, are just vessels. And don't you think that's the key to overcoming like this worried and anxiety exactly. feeling? Because exactly. that, it brings it down to that verse. Seek, yeah. seek first the kingdom and all else, all less important things will be added to you. So that thought of like seeking first the kingdom is understanding that God is guiding your life and you're not guiding your own life. And that like letting go of control is what freaks me out and freaked me out during that time period of my life. You know, I'm very aware that this was like situational, seasonal anxiety, whatever you want to call it. But it was real to me, and yeah. I had to understand that I had to put my life in check and understand that I needed to go where God wanted me to go, and I needed to do what God wanted me to do, and not just try to have control over every little sing- single thing of my life. It's crazy that you went through that storm for things that were very small, and for things that are big that would cause a lot of people to worry a lot more. And have anxiety for a lot more reasons you were able to just stand still like i feel like last year you had a lot of reasons to completely break down but i don't think you did no not in those not sense in of anxiety. anxiety yeah like you didn't you didn't have that feeling you mm-hmm. sort of had like you were sad like we talked about in the first couple of podcasts but it's it's why do you what was the difference there was it you were just more mature because you had a couple of more years in you why do you think that was I think so, and I think that I was clinging on to Jesus more than I was the first time around. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, like, in life we always look back and we're like, oh, but, like, why did this happen to me? And when I look back to that, like, anxiety time period, I think it was just a lesson to understand that, you know, it, like you said, it wasn't the biggest deal in the world, even though to me it was. But I think it was to show me that I might and I will as it already happened go through things in life that are going to be worse than that but I need to keep my foot grounded on the foundation I need to stay grounded on Jesus and have him as an anchor for my soul you know because like the whole wedding thing that we went through logically speaking it was bigger and crazier than what I was going through when I had anxiety but I didn't have that anxiety this time around so I think in a funny way, like Jesus used the smaller things to teach me a lesson and to strengthen me when I was going to go through harder and tougher situations. 
um, which is honestly very gracious, you know, it could, it could have been something crazier for me to learn that lesson, but I think that making it seem like it was really big to me, even though it really wasn't, made me come out okay on the other side and made me understand that he is my anchor. Yeah, and I think that's showing once more that God cares and that even a little bit of struggle is beneficial to us. Everything works for the good of those that love God and live according to his purpose. I believe that that the verse is what you're saying right now is he turned that situation into a stepping stone for you to be able to withstand the next things that were going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the beautiful thing is I know you watch a lot of preachings and verses. You hear this word seasons of life that prepare you for this and I prepare you for that. I wholeheartedly believe God uses that for sure to prepare us for the tomorrow, you know, because God promises us, he, he asks of us, don't worry about the tomorrow. You're going to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow when you're there and it's facing you. Then you're going to face the giant, the wall, the lion, whatever term you want to use that's biblically, you know, and that's walking through the stepping stone and winning or um, not the word winning, overcoming <laughs> and like passing the test is what we need to do in our lives. Yeah. And I think that like when I look back, I also see that the reason wasn't only to strengthen myself, but for me to be used as a vessel, like yeah. you were saying, because like our generation has a lot of anxiety and goes through a lot of anxiety. So I think that me actually going through those feelings and going through that motion helps me to understand people who are going through that. And since we deal a lot with like younger people and like teenagers and adolescents that go through that a lot i think it's a lot easier for me to counsel and to help and to give advice obviously like based on biblical principles that i should have like held on to earlier during that season in my life Mm -hmm. it just gives me that like i do understand what you're going through because i have gone through it and it's not just me saying like oh you're gonna be fine like you're probably not even feeling anything Mm -hmm. like some people do it's like no i understand that it's a legit thing and this is what we can do to work through it right yeah i feel the same way not about that but in terms of what we talked about in terms of the addiction of pornography on these things now i have I have such a, a compassion for people that are going through that. I know the number is vast, it's immense. That I wanted to, when people open, and a couple of people did, they came up to me after I shared my testimony. They were like, oh, I'm going through that as well. This is encouraging. And I'm like, okay, great. But what are you doing? Like, let me, let me teach you what I've learned so you don't have to keep going back to the cycle that I went through for so many years. Like, we have that now. And I think, you know, whatever is God is walking you through right now for people that are listening know that you're going to be able to use that as a testimony of god's grace over of god's love and and goodness over you to somebody that might be going through something similar that you're going through that's that's the importance of uh, our best thing that we can do in our lives is not preach the bible is preach what the bible did to us that brings people to god because people see the transformation and people are looking for transformation people are looking for an anxiety-free life People are looking for an addiction-free life. People are looking for um, all these things that point to God, but they don't make that connection. We need to help them make that connection, that a life filled with peace is a life with Jesus, not a life filled with distractions and so many things that fill that void. So it's simply seeking first the kingdom of God. All the other things will be added to us. Yeah, and understanding that Jesus 
is peace. Like he himself is peace. It's not just he's going to give you a season of peace because that's not the definition of peace. You know, the definition of peace is being in that burning furnace, but being okay because Jesus is there with you. It's not that you're not going to have struggles. It's not that you're not going to have problems, but it's understanding that it is okay because Jesus is with you. That's why it's peace that surpasses understanding because we can't understand it. Because, you know, people go through a lot of things where you might say, you have all of the right to be freaking out right now. You have all of the right to be anxious and to be worried and to be depressed. But it's understanding that that's not the life that we have to live because Jesus came so we don't have to live life that way. And uh, I think his promise that he's going to be with us and he's asking us, put him first. Try it. I'm asking you guys, you know how we go, nowadays it's very common for you to do a free trial. Mm-hmm. You know, you make a new email and you do another free trial of this product or whatever, this account or Netflix or whatever. Just do this free trial with God. Put him first, first. Make him the priority in your life. Everything else is added later, fall into place. So yeah, worriness is going to come knocking at your door like it came knocking at my door this week, like you heard Lala's testimony. Learn to just take a moment, take a second, Read the word of God. If you have to, read chapter 6 of Matthew. This is all about this. There's so many other verses as well. I'm sure you can find it. But chapter 6 is such a beautiful because Jesus is giving the context as to why you seek him first. Do that and read it and let the presence of God walk you through this storm that you're going to walk through. Amen? Anything you want to add? Amen. Amen. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to. This is our sixth episode of Junker Talk. Um, you, if you're listening to us on Spotify, please, please make sure you leave a follow. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, can you please be so kind enough to leave us a five-star review? That will help us out a lot. And if you have Instagram, can you just share this on your stories? We'd love to see you guys and tag us and we'll repost you or say thank you. That's kind of what we try to do. We love you. We appreciate you. Follow us at Junker Talk on Instagram. And as well, keep connecting yourself to the Word of God. Amen. Adios. Amen. Bye.